good. Well, happy Christmas, everyone. Oh, come on. Is the heat that bad? It is, isn't it? Isn't this the coolest place to be in Melbourne this morning? So if the heat turns up, just anyone on the sides, press those dials, those buttons, and we will cool down immediately. Does anyone want any shortbread for Christmas? If you do, there is a lady down here that you can talk to afterwards, but just remember, do not, do not, under any circumstances, mention other brands, because it might get real ugly as well. If you have not kind of encountered the Christmas story before, then you've just seen a video snapshot, real live video of the real Joseph and the real Mary and the events that led up to around surrounding the Christmas. In fact, this last couple of weeks, I had a conversation with someone who's been listening to the stories and the narratives being retold about the events surrounding the life and the birth, actually, of Jesus. And the person came to me and said, you know what? Everything that I read and have heard makes me think that Christmas is decidedly uncomfortable. But the trick is about Christmas is this, is that we actually try to do everything to make our lives incredibly comfortable at Christmas. We get the right tree, we get the right shortbreads, we get the right song. Well done, Caleb, brilliantly well sung this morning. We get everything to be perfectly in their place, don't we? We try in the business of it all. Never works out that way, but we press towards it. But the truth and the reality they were saying about Christmas is that it's actually incredibly uncomfortable, everything about it. In fact, if you watch any video footage, if you hear any stories read from Scripture about the events surrounding the birth of Jesus, if you do not conclude that it is scandalous, that it is ridiculous, that it is uncomfortable, then you are simply not reading and listening hard enough. Virgin births, inconceivable. All of these things wrapped up together. How does Christmas work? It is decidedly uncomfortable. So... To get into a bit of the Christmas cheer and spirit this morning, I thought, given Fiona and all of her family members are here, what I thought we'd do is just do a little exercise for the next four or five minutes to get in the Christmas cheer. We would get a little bit uncomfortable. So what I'm going to give us is about five minutes. I want everyone to stand up in a few moments and find someone they don't know. And I want you to tell them in about five sentences all of the worst things you've done in your life, okay? And then what we'll do is we'll come back together again. We'll have like a show and tell, all right? Decidedly uncomfortable? Yeah. That's what Christmas is all about. I will not ask you to do that. You are safe sitting exactly where you are. I know some of you think I might do that, but yeah. You see, Christmas is uncomfortable. Everything about it is uncomfortable. You have a young woman. You have a man betrothed. You have scandal. You have words being shared that are simply inconceivable. And yet, this is the story the narrative that's been passed down for centuries. This isn't Greek mythology where there has been some virgin births. The people who wrote the accounts that this has been recorded by and passed down through the centuries are eyewitnesses of Jesus. They lived with him. They heard him. They didn't see his birth, but they heard about those events. They traveled with him. They saw his deeds. They saw a crucifixion. They declared that he'd come back to life again, and they wrote down these accounts together. One of them by the name of Matthew. He uh, writes this at the very beginning of his book, He doesn't start off with the actual birth of Jesus. He starts off with this amazing thing called a family tree. He starts his account of the life of Jesus and he says this, the book of the family tree of Jesus, the Messiah, that is the one who Jewish people have been waiting for to liberate them from Roman rule, to set them at the top of the peak of all of the kingdoms so that God's light might shine out through them. He says, the son of David, the son of Abraham. These are two people in the lineage of a Jewish person that just ring all the right bells. In fact, what Matthew does at the very beginning of his 
account about the birth of Jesus, he gives a family tree. Anyone here into family trees and doing the genealogies? That's about as boring as it gets, isn't it? But you always usually have one in the family, don't you? And they go, oh, I've been digging out all the... Can you come over and have like a genealogy party? I'd love to just show you all the events, right? And, and, and what's the first thing that comes across your mind is, no way. That's the last thing I want to be in. But this is what Matthew actually does. Look what he does. He does a genealogy. At the very beginning of his account of the birth of Jesus, he gives this long, long family tree. Now, to you and I, we might look at that and say, that's really boring, But to a Jewish person, establishing your credentials, if you like, your lineage, it becomes really, really important. It establishes everything. So what I thought I would do this morning in the time, the limited time we have, is that I thought I would go through each person and give you their backstory. And then by the time Christmas Day comes, I reckon we would have got to the bottom. What do you reckon? However, I just want to give the highlights. So as he's writing about the birth of Jesus, the first one, he says, "This, this baby is in the delect." direct descendant of Abraham. He is the Jew of Jews. He is the perfect, the ideal Jew. I mean, he comes from good, legal, royal lineage. David, there's King David, the one who established the kingdom and and grew it so well. I mean, this is the king of kings. This is David. And then back up one, there was the 12 sons and there was one of them, Judah. Uh, Through the line of Judah was a royal family. And that's where David came from. And Judah was the leader out of his 12 brothers. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. And then of course, there was Solomon. Some of you may have heard of the wise, excellent Solomon. Kings and queens came from far and wide to sit at the feet of Solomon and listen to his wisdom. And then there was good King Hezekiah. And then there was another one by the name of Zerubbabel. Bit of an unfortunate name, but rolls off the tongue. Zerubbabel. And, and then all of this is runs up and points towards Jesus. You see, as Matthew's writing this, he's trying to say to everyone, this is like a drum roll, like get the beat going. Uh, The trumpets are playing because all of this is heading towards someone who would come and his name is Jesus. Sounds good, doesn't it? Perfectly right. All in order. Comfortable. But if you scratch a little bit deeper, you bump into other people. Oh, got to tell you about Tamar. She was Judah's daughter-in-law. A little awkward moment, but there was a, a birth that happened from it, and Perez is kind of in the family tree as well. And there was this unseemly woman by the name of Rahab who actually helped out the Israelites at one stage when they're going into Jericho, and uh, she was uh, a prostitute and, and actually had a child, and that's actually also in the family tree as well. And then I hate to mention that there was a a wife of Uriah who David organized Uriah's death so he could legitimately marry Bathsheba, and that's how Solomon came about. And then there was Manasseh, one of the most evil kings who even sacrificed his own young little children. And then let's not mention the exile because that's when God actually turned his back on Israel and Babylon came and destroyed them and took them off into faraway land where there was so much pain and suffering that uh, even Boney M sang a song about it many years ago by the rivers of Babylon. And that's painful enough as it is. And then after that, there was like 400 years of silence where Syrian kings and overlords literally came in, Antiochus Epiphanes, and just destroyed Israel. And there was silence from God for like 400 years. And then you look at the family tree 
And you realize it's far from perfect, isn't it? In fact, it's decidedly uncomfortable. Some years ago now, I turned up to my granddad's funeral. Turned up to my granddad's funeral, went back to the wake, and afterwards, I saw all these other older people that I'd never met before. I said, who are you? And they looked at me and they said, who are you? I said, well, I'm Troy. I'm Neville, my granddad's grandson. And they said, well, we're your granddad's Neville's stepbrothers and sisters. I said, oh, I've never, ever heard of you before. And they said, well, we've never, ever heard of you before either. I said, this is awkward. Where did you actually come from? And they said, well, you've got the same great-grandfather, but there's kind of was a bit of a split and there was two different ladies all involved and this is kind of the... In fact, it wasn't until my granddad, three months before he died, that he sat down my father and said, now let me tell you about the rest of the family. Whoa. Kind of like one of those family trees, hey? And so I remember talking to one of my um, step-aunties, or I'm not sure what they're quite called, but she was an older lady, and I said, look, I'd love to... She said, I've got some photographs. I said, I'd love to get some photographs. And she said, that'd be good. Let's organize a time to meet, and I can tell you about the backstory. And I said, I'd love to hear about the backstory, because um, I'm really inquisitive. I don't know any of this stuff. And so I'd... And then they looked at me, and they said, but don't worry, you're an Arnott. I said, what do you mean I'm an Arnott? I've always been an Arnott. My dad's an Arnott. My granddad's an Arnott. I'm an Arnott. They said, no, no, it's okay. Don't worry, you're an Arnott. I said, what do you mean? Of course I'm an Arnott. I've always been an Arnott. What are you questioning that I'm an Arnott for? Of course. And I didn't know there was a backstory where there was a stage where they didn't know legitimacy of. And so I said, we should check out this story. Can I make an appointment with you? She said, yes, come around anytime you like. I said, well, I've got my diary now. Can we meet and organize a time right now? She said, we should organize a time sometime to meet up. And I said, well, let's organize that time right now. And she said, we should do that one day. And I realized that for me, what was a family tree to her was filled with memories and pains and heartaches and griefs and shames and guilts. No wonder she didn't want to meet and talk to me about our family tree. You see, the wonder of Christmas in the scandalous birth of a little child, that whether you're here this morning and you believe that inconceivable things can possibly happen or not, the person by the name of Matthew, he writes down these things for you to wrestle with and go, you know what, if you want to get a glimpse of what God is like, if you want to get a glimpse of what this baby Jesus really is all about, have a look at the family tree. I know it's scandalous. I know it's uncomfortable. I know it's decidedly awkward. But this is the power of what God does in people's lives. You see, I believe that the God we're looking for is a God that can actually move in people's lives and weave things in that we would rather be weaved out. You see, isn't it true that in our lives when awkward things happen, when people stand on other people's toes, they choose Woolworths over the Scottish recipe, when, when someone grieves you profoundly, that the easiest thing for us to do is to just cut and run. Cover it over. Don't talk about it. Write another story. Blame someone else. Don't we do that so easily? And yet the wonderful gift of this amazing genealogy, this family tree, is that it decidedly says that God does something profoundly different. He takes whatever threads we bring, whatever guilts or shames, 
whatever sins or sorrows, whatever pains or griefs, whatever hurts or blames, and somehow in his tapestry, he picks up the thread if we allow him to it, and he weaves us into his family tree. It's no longer on bloodlines, but on the simple lines of faith. God can pick up your sorrows, your griefs. I I don't suppose for a minute that he answers them all and takes away the pain as though it never happened before. But somehow in this family tree, it reminds me that God can take even our most awkward, shameful, uncomfortable things. And if we give them to him, Somehow in his bigger scheme, his bigger tapestry, he's weaving for this world and for plan and for design of eternity. He weaves it in. Wow. He finishes off with this. And Jacob of Joseph, the husband of Mary, whom was born Jesus, who was called the Messiah. Some of you will astutely ask this morning, wait a second. If this little baby Jesus is God's son, how can he be Joseph's son? Well, you wouldn't be understanding something profound about Jewish culture and adoption. You see, when a Jewish family takes into their lives an adopted child, it's as though the child had always been one of their own, full rights and privileges, as though it always was. Isn't that marvellous? What Fiona has doing and is doing in weaving a new thread for her life, marvellous in a very physical way. God does in a physical way and a spiritual way for anyone who would come. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Simple act of faith. Trust in Jesus. He weaves it in. This is what one writer by the name of John says about this weaving. To anyone who did accept him, he gave the right to become God's children. Yes, to anyone who believes in his name. They were not born from blood or from fleshly desire, no royal pedigree, No legal status, but it changes when you place your faith in Jesus, the one who lived, died, and rose. It comes from God. See, my friends, whether you stand far away from God or close to God today, his promise and his profound declaration is the same. Simple faith and trust. He weaves you in. This is part of our traditional NCR Christmas. So I'm going to ask Chris right now to come, or is it Mark, and just play quietly for us. Because we also want to weave into our morning a communion time. If that's new for you, that's fine. I'm going to give you lots of options if you'd like to join in or not. But I love this thread and this idea of Christmas and God's weaving. I don't know where you are today with hurts and pains. I don't know where you are with shames and heartaches. Maybe you come up to Christmas time and you go, you know what? It's all just too hard. Look at the family tree. 
Look at the genealogy. What story are you writing? Do you know it can be enfolded in God's? I don't think for a moment Tamar would have thought, oh, it's all rosy now. But she had no idea in the generations that would come what profound influence she would have. God wove her in amongst all the shame and the pain and the guilt. And at Christmas time, God invites us once again for anyone, anyone, anyone. Some people say, come to church, the roof's going to cave in on me. It hasn't, hasn't caved in on me. Could have. But who am I kidding? God knows if there is one. And he weaves me in. So if you would like to draw a little bit closer to Jesus this morning, celebrate Christmas. What we've got is this. We've got a station up there, a station there, and a station here, and one in the room next door for those who are out there. And if you would like to, we'd invite you to join in. Communion is a time where people remember who followed Jesus. He lived and he died. If you want to draw close to Jesus, you don't even know how to do this communion stuff, there's a card here. You can pick that up. And in a few moments, you could come and just take a glass, break a piece of bread, go back where you sit, just quietly read through this. You could drink and eat. If you're familiar with it, you could just come and grab a cup, grab a glass, just go back to where you are, reflect, be thankful. Maybe you just want to sit exactly where you are and that's fine. You could just take it in. And Cindy's going to sing a song at the end. Whatever you do, I'd invite you to just do it wholeheartedly. Yeah. But as we do, I just want to acknowledge three, three or four things. Nick, you're back from India. Great trip away. Ruth, where are you? Ruth Hill, stand up. I know you love standing up in audiences over there. Everyone's going to look at Ruth right now. How embarrassing, Ruth. Where are you heading, Ruth, at Christmas time? Rosebud, you're going to work with young children? The program ministry there? That's great. Giving up your time. Share about the love of God, the life of Jesus, and give that. We're just going to, I'm going to pray for you. Cam and Andrea Baker, where are you? Are you in here? Stand up, family. We've got some decidedly good but sad news to share. Where are you guys heading in January? Off to the Gold Coast. Coast. So whilst we all go, (sighs) part of us goes, Gold Coast, it's a good place up there. What are you doing up there? Mate, I want to tell you as an ex-Fizetta, you are a strong, noble, courageous man, okay? You haven't lost a bit, all right? But we're going to miss you guys. So if you ever wanted to come back earlier, there's a family for you here. But I want to pray for you and going away. Andrea, has this been an easy decision? You've put a lot of prayer into this. I don't want to make you cry. All right. That's okay. Tell you what, could we have someone stand up next to... Ruth, who knows Ruth, we're going to pray for her. Maybe just put a hand on them. If some people who know Cam and Andrea, just know them. Just, could you get up out of your chairs? Go over to you. Just give them a hug right now because I, yeah, that's it. Go. We're going to pray for them as well. 
And for everyone else who's going, oh, this, is he going to stand me up? I'm not going to stand you up. Uh, if you'd like to stand up, you could stand up. We could, but just as we enter into this time, I thought it'd be good to just pray for Ruth, pray for... I think Jasmine is going away as well to help out with kids, so I'm going to pray for Jasmine Stapleton as well. And then we can lead into a time. How about I pray? God, I just want to thank you for wonderful family moments. Your family moments. So I want to thank you for Ruth and the time she gives up. Would you go before her, encourage her, strengthen her, give her all the patience she needs and wisdom. Thank you for her. Pray for Jasmine as she's heading off as well. Just the same for her too. And Sophie. I heard that. (laughs) And anyone else I've missed right now. Thanks for bringing Nick back safe. I want to pray for the bakers. I want to pray for Cam and Andrea, for little Stevie, for mighty Sam and the beautiful Cassandra. That you'll encourage them. Pave a way for them, provide what they need for where they're at. Give them a good family home up there that they can call their kind of spiritual home. Pray that for them too. We just love them. And we thank you for Christmas. We thank you for your genealogy. We thank you for your wonderful grace. Amen.